Greetings and welcome to the Mount Rushmore podcast. My name is Jeff and I'm joined as usual uh, forever, never going to be separated from these guys by Richard. Hello. And Michael, you're still there, right? Oh, no. What did we lose? Him? Howdy. Oh, oh God. Hey, played a trick Ooh, on us. Okay, okay. Hey, Richard and Michael, uh, this round on the Mount Rushmore podcast will debate and deliberate the Mount Rushmore of breakups. Richard? Yes. What's this? this has nothing this has nothing to do with us. Oh God, I just gets I just get so worried. It has everything to do with Michael. Oh I think oh. we're breaking up with oh. Michael. Oh my god. Okay. Oh my god. No. I'm, I'm glad this no. I'm glad this is uh this is a this isn't us, it's you situation i'll be better i i'll do i'll change i'll wear whatever you want i'll wear that outfit you like uh okay what no seriously i came up with this because i was and whether or not i I don't know if michael you probably don't have this on your list but i was thinking about how funny it was when Sonny and Cher got divorced and then they still had to do a tv show every week as a divorced couple. Uh, no, uh, Sonny and Cher aren't on my list. I thought of another couple um, that ultimately didn't make my list that are that same sort of iconic duo that were like miserable together, but they just had to do the thing. But um, yep. yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's so funny. That, that their, just misery, got... their misery is funny. I know, and it was funny. In a, how, in a variety how, setting. How all of the uh, Cher jokes about Sonny's height and all that stuff <laughs> just doesn't seem as funny when you know that they're divorced and she's like banging Greg Allman or whatever <laughs> she's doing at the time. <laughs> Paul Stanley or, or Gene Simmons, it's Paul Stanley. Uh, well, yeah, I okay, well, we got it. So the Mount Rushmore of breakups. So the reason you wanted to do this was because of Sonny and Cher. Because <laughs> I made because I thought since okay. I th- some I thought about it, popped into okay. my head. I thought okay. ah, breakups. There well, we in a way, it does seem like uh, a the flip side, or I guess the progenitor of a couple episodes ago when we had um uh discussed duos and um the things that kind of happened to them after they are no longer duos. So yeah. uh but a breakup could be more than one person. So uh, uh, Richard Thunkett, Michael starts it. Well, I think we're all thinking it. Um, my first thought was the Beatles. Yeah, also okay, on yeah. my list. Okay, yeah. all right. And I think what's interesting about the Beatles is that they were like the ultimate they should get back together band that never got back together, that lost the opportunity to get back together. It's the couple that you were like, God, they were so good together. Oh, I can't believe they broke up over what? Such a stupid reason. Oh, why are they? They're making such great music. Why don't they just get back? They're my favorite. You know, I grew up with them. They're the, they're the, they're freaking Beatles. And then, you know, a couple of years go by and Paul and John are kind of at each other's throats, writing, you know, songs about each other, making fun of each other. And John goes off and into his weird kind of, um, you know, wearing uh, army jackets phase. And then he takes more time off to go raise his kid, which is actually somewhat admirable. And then by the time he gets back, he's, you know, 39, 40, he's grown up a little bit and maybe there was a chance. And then, you know, he goes and gets himself killed like a selfish bastard he is. But I think that that the breakup of the Beatles is one of those things that, you know, if like, if like the Platters broke up or like another band had broken up, it's like, okay, well, that band's just stopped, stopped um, making music together. They felt like the first like kind of familial rock and roll band. They were just 
those four guys, they were making their music. You were growing up with them. I wasn't personally, I wasn't alive, but like they had that kind of aura of, they were in their, you know, late teens, early twenties into their thirties. They kind of matured and grew up all together. And then that was it. And then they were just over. And it was just like, oh, they can, what a bummer. Yeah. And I think there's so there's other bands that have that kind of a similar mystique to them. I think of, um, you know, uh, like the Smiths as this band that could potentially get back together as like been this one kind of band that broke up for kind of probably um, uh, egotistical reasons and maybe just wanting to take the music in a different direction. And that's a band that I really wouldn't want to get back together. Right. They're like the one, they're like the band that's like, oh, I'm okay with them having been, you know, kind of crystallized in my head in 1986 as like, okay, we're, I don't need, you know, it's now been almost 30 years, 20 something years on. You're like, okay, I don't, I don't need that. But with the Beatles, you know, especially when uh, Lennon died, you know, they were apart as long as they were together. They were apart for 10 years and they were together for about 10 years. And that that feels, feels like oddly, satisfying in a way that they're just they never once you lost one of them you were never going to get the rest of them it wasn't going to be the Beatles after that and I think that that breakup was like a real a kind of a shock you know it's just like oh they grew up and they grew out of each other's out of each other's way yeah and they were a band that there's this like you said there's this aura and mystique around them Mm -hmm. where people want to know why did they break up because the answer can't just be, oh, they just kind of wanted to do their own thing. It yeah. had to have been, was it, was it Yoko? Was it Paul being too much of a control freak? Was it Ringo? Okay, it wasn't Ringo. <laughs> one thing, the one thing I know is that it wasn't Ringo. Ringo would have kept the Beatles together. They'd still be together today if, if Ringo had his way. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing I thought about with the Beatles is, I mean, you mentioned all these other bands that could have gotten back together. I know the big one for a long time was like, wow, will the Clash ever get back together? You know, that was one of those huge bands that until Joe Strummer died, um, everyone was alive and there was still maybe this chance that they could at some point, maybe they'll work together. Um, And I can imagine how much like Joe Strummer probably got asked, hey, are you ever getting the Clash back together? I can't fathom how many times Paul McCartney has been asked it had been asked in his life. So what about getting the band back together? And oh, it must I'm have sure. just been wearying. Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm like, sure look just all this. Up, yeah, built up like a callus around you of like, well, now, of course, I'm not going to. I've been asked 40 times in the last 10 minute interview. And it's like, I'm here to promote this thing with my, my wife. <laughs> and I'm, here right. to promote, I'm here to promote uh, veganism. Uh, right, exactly. I've got my own thing that I'm doing. And then yet, but yet we were all, I think everyone at the time was just stuck in this, well, they're, of course they're going to get back together at some point, something that's this big, it almost has its own orbit. And at some point it's going to like pull every, of the stars are going to align, everything's going to pull together. Um, of course it didn't. I mean, it is interesting though. I, I wonder if, you know, if John Lennon had, had lived, hadn't been shot, you know, would they have been night one Coachella headlining act? <laughs> <laughs> You know, or they, the old with, the old cella the, that, that is like I think Paul McCartney. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> yeah exactly. Lollapalooza '92 would have been uh-huh. them the next to <laughs> next to Nine Inch Nails, had mud thrown on them. 
yeah i don't know how you how you what venue do you book for a beatles reunion i don't i think i, don't, I think yeah. it depends like hyde depends. park or something yeah. like that one of those like it'd be the o2, park. o2 arena for a year or something. I yeah think, yeah i think it just depends on i think it just depends on the age in which they get back together i mean you know uh they were about 40 when or, or john lennon was 40 when he was killed and that i mean i'm 42 that doesn't seem that old i've seen we've seen obviously like i think there's like that counterpoint of the rolling stones that's just like god how are they still together yeah, yeah, I think that, that they're, how are they know, still alive? Yeah. How are they still alive? <laughs> and how are they still together? There's they very much yin and yang. It's like, you know, uh, you know, a bunch of people were kind of like the result of you know the Beatles breakup. You know, they were the kids. I think Richard, you kind of hinted at it. There's like this, like you, it's like kids not knowing why their parents broke up, right? To put yeah. it in times of like a relationship, you're just you're always questioning. You're wondering what were the real reasons. And they were people that had their own emotions and their own whatever, um, and probably their own secret reasons that will never be found out, or who knows. And that's like just like it is for real couples. You know, you can talk to someone as much as you want, but you'll never really know exactly what why a band broke up. And then you have a couple that's still together, and it's the Rolling Stones. You're just like, man, year sixty-five that they're going into, and you're like, what is going on? that i can't oh, holy well you Lord. know what part what part of it is i think with the rolling stones at least why why i think they never broke up is because they allowed themselves to go do side projects mm. like keith you know keith richards had solo albums mick jagger had solo albums hell ron ron wood had solo albums so they each allowed themselves the space to they kind of go off and do their own solo stuff and then come back, you know, six months later, a year later, and it's like, okay, time for our album and our year-long tour now. Richard, um, Richard, and, Manfred, Richard Manfredi standing for open relationships. Gotcha. Yes, check. <laughs> um, but I think that that's the difference versus the Beatles, where it was, I think they were seen as such a, a unit together that it was almost unthinkable that, yeah, if I remember correctly, I mean, Paul wanted to go off and do a solo album and then come back, and the rest of the Beatles were like, "Basically, you can't do that. We're the Beatles." Wait a second, this it just didn't compute correctly. If you look at the first, uh, I love hearing what, what you guys uh, have to say about it because it's always been a mystery, not a magical one to me, <laughs> why it hurts so much that that group broke up. And I, I looking at the cover of a hard day's night and the promotional material for hard day's night. And it makes me rewind back to when I was a, a little kid and looking at the albums of the Beatles for the first time and not being able to tell them apart. So they had a familial resemblance that much of the world and definitely America, uh, you may for, to us, it made them indistinguishable. So they seem like brothers or family to begin with. So a family doesn't break up. And then they sound and worked so well together as a, as a four on the floor rock and roll unit. And they were the progenitors of this idea of a band. So it's the idea of uh, creating this nucleus that they, they put it together for the first time. Who, we didn't know at that time when rock and roll was uh, evolving into this next thing. We didn't know how long it was going to last you know, if you hear the Beatles interviewed early, even the Stones interviewed early, 
as much as they love rock and roll, they don't think it's going to last either. So for them, the idea right. of breaking up, they're like, we're, we're fucking surprised we're still together. You know, well, we did. I thought, you know, Paul thought I, I thought I'd be writing Bond themes or, you know, songs for Petula Clark or something like that. You know, who, who knew that uh, we'd still be a group? Um, so the fact that they seem like they were family to begin with for me as a kid, at least when I first saw them. And then the idea that they invented this thing, we didn't know that they could destroy it. Uh, I know they didn't invent the rock group, but it was always, seems like it was Bill Haley and his comets or, or Buddy, Buddy Holly, Holly and, and his crickets. crickets. Yeah. It was this person who was in the spotlight and then ubiquitous swap them out, interchangeable other people. Mm. It's real fun. I got a book, uh, I'm a big fan of the 33 and a third uh, series of books. Yeah. Michael, you know, you've read some of these or what? Sure. I still have one of yours. I still yeah. have the, the Colin Malloy uh, uh, writes about. Um, yeah. Who is it? The replacements. The replacements. Right? Yeah. 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 Oh, you'd love that, Richard. Or maybe if you haven't already read it, but like the. the I'll go steal it from Michael. Yeah. Steal it from Michael. Got to find it. Uh, but, you know, you watch as a kid, as a kid, for me, listening to the White Album was, was something I did about the same time that my parents were separating and hearing their fights is like hearing that record for me. It's like they each kind of have their very profound say about why this isn't working. And then white album seems to be in musical form. And um, especially on songs like revolution number no. nine, or whatever you like, it's all at all helter skelter. I think that's on there. It's all just yeah. like this cacophony of these guys who they're they're the sound they're making together is no longer harmonious and but in the little pockets of solo stuff like blackbird oh my god that's that's amazing you know there's those pockets of just solo amazingness and together discord it seems but then boy if you watch um abbey road uh it's fascinating to me this book talks about abbey road as being the culmination of a return to form for the Beatles. They were getting back together to start to kick off some live acts. They were gonna do this huge performance at the Rome, a Roman amphitheater in Tunisia. They brought in this guy, Billy Preston, who everybody loved so much that was gonna play keyboards for them. They wanted to be like the American group, the band, and re, kind of return to this uh, kind of rootsy version of this uh, format of rock that they had loved so much. And all that went to shit <laughs> because Paul's still an overdominating asshole. John's doing heroin. All the other things yeah. aren't good. Aren't good ways to stay together. But like, ah, uh, yeah. Keep, just, uh, Ringo keeps asking my song about the unicorn that I want yeah. to do. <laughs> like, oh come on. Yeah, it's funny too. Like for me, even sometimes the Beatles. I'll hear a Beatles song like two of us from Let It Be." Yeah. And I'll think, oh, that's a beautiful song about John and Paul. No, it's about Paul and Linda. Or, it's, right, it's, not yeah. a, it's not about maybe a lot of the binds that we thought were holding them together were actually not even, there was just not, not there to begin with. But yeah. Wow. Okay. God, I feel like we went through the ringer on that one. All right. Yeah. Well, that's the breakup break of the big, breakup of the 20th century. Okay. Uh, what's your f- second, Richard? All right. So I've only got one that's personal. I don't know if Michael has any that are 
of a personal nature or not, but no. I only, okay, well, I guess I'm the only one who has one, um, which is interesting because I've never, I've only broken up with somebody once and that was in high school and I was the dumper, not the dumpy, not to brag, but you know, Richard, love him and leave him man, Freddie. <laughs> um, but um, one thing that I realized that I, I soon come, came to realize not too long after the breakup is that the post-breakup hookup is a terrible idea. Oh. Don't do that. Okay. Guys, people out there, if you have, if there are any teenagers who are listening to this show, and I know that we're big with the uh, 14 to, <laughs> oh. to 19 demographic, don't do it. Just this when you break up. From, from your dear Richard love for advice for the love Lord. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I used to write for the onion back in the day. No, just don't do it. I, we, we, my ex, my girlfriend, then ex-girlfriend, uh, then we got together just to hang out one time and we wound up, you know, uh, getting physical. Yeah. And it was kind of the end of our friendship after that, because it got, as weird as it got after we broke up, it was even weird, much weird, it was much weirder after that. Okay. And, and things just sort of went all screwball. Oh, oh, I see. Oh, so, so I miss, I misunderstood that. It wasn't not a rebound with somebody else. It wasn't a no. rebound. It was a post breakup rehookup with, uh, with the, with the ex. I gotcha. Gotcha. So, don't, don't think that you don't think that you could just sort of like, Hey, we're still, you know, maybe we can do this on the side. You know, be, have anything on the side going on or kind of like we can still be friends but still do this and that no it does not work out zero percent of the time huh. based on my based on my life experiences and people that i i know just doesn't okay. seem to work out so this is like when uh, george plays on uh, a ringo album it's like no it's not working out. yeah stay stay <laughs> just stay away from it okay precisely uh why because it rekindles feelings it has I think it's just like when you go through a breakup, you set boundaries. And me yeah. and my ex-girlfriend were like, we're still going to be really good friends. We were really good friends before we started dating. So we're still going to find a way to make the friendship work. Yeah. And we did for a while. And oh. then one time it got, like I said, physical. And then after that, it's just like the boundaries that we had set up to try and make this new version of our relationship work. Yeah. Got all messed up yeah i think that's the uh the technical term for it is all, messed, all messed up yeah all messed it up yeah totally understand that i have to pause to let my dog out uh, that will i'll see see that on the wave. <laughs> also you crashing into the mic we'll see that too yeah look at look at michael winslow over here <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, Rich, uh, Jeff. Jeff, do a helicopter noise next, or machine guns, Mister. I can do. I can do uh, magic tones with my mouth. <laughs> okay, this is how old I am. Uh, my yeah. dad had a answering machine in the seventies or whatever, but you didn't. It wasn't touch tone. You had like a, a like a little box that made a sound. It made us and. If you lost it, like my dad did, you would have to go, you'd have to pick up the phone and go, and try to make the sound of, that would trigger the answering machine to make it. Sound. Oh, man. Oh, no, it did have, yeah, it had it, but there were still rotary phones. That's what it was. Most people didn't have touchstone phones. Mm. Good story. Sorry. I'm so fucking old. Okay. Um, uh, 
I have done the thing where you rehook up with the thing with the person after it's over, and no matter how each person says it's cool, it's going to be cool. Don't worry, it'll be cool. It's never cool. It's never yeah, fun. no, it's it's just <laughs> your best case scenario out of it is everyone just feels really awkward afterward. Yeah, and that's like yeah. your that's like the the best case scenario. Worst case scenario is somebody thinks this means something else yeah and then the other person doesn't and then everyone's mm -hmm. wires get crossed and the next thing you know there's because this is high school there's lots of you know forlorn letters being written back and forth and yeah just ugh, no I, I don't think it's any better as you're an adult because all dating i think is high school drama bullshit mm -hmm. probably even as an adult hey what? hey jeff yeah but uh, Bosk and IG88 had a lot of four lom letters. <laughs> four lom? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you see, who's another bounty even, hunter? I don't Here's even another get bounty that. hunter. Yeah. Listen. For all you I know they're both bounty hunters. Wait, what? Four four lom was four. another bounty hunter. Oh, was it? Four. Oh, yeah. okay. I wish That's, I was a nerd enough. I, to, oh man. God, can you can I'm just sorry, dude. Can you just edit this out from when you beeped out of us? <laughs> this out came back. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. Uh, it's Michael's second. Okay. Um, I'm going to stay in England. And this is the breakup of um, uh, Prince Charles and uh, Lady Diana, the Princess of Wales. Oh, ooh, good one. Which was one of those, I thought of, I, be, I was thinking of that primarily because of like the recent like Harry and Meghan Merkel break up with the royal family like completely just they're like we're done we're done with this kind of toxic uh family that uh treats uh megan merkel like shit but um with princess diana i'm sure she felt some of that as well um and i think what makes this breakup like pretty powerful was how much the wedding and the nuptials you know everything leading up to that wedding was just so um there's you know obviously the pomp of it all like it was oh, the, the fairy royal tale wedding. the fairy the tale of it all yeah yeah the yeah. fairy tale wedding of a prince and a princess wedding and you know it was done in uh the early 80s 81 where uh you know the country was kind of uh, england was kind of in a shitty state there was a lot of poverty and um there was kind of like this you know, um, you know, right-leaning or heavily, heavily right-leaning Margaret Thatcher was in power and there's just, uh, punk was kind of taking over as kind of a, a cultural phenomenon. And then there's like all this rejoice around this kind of sweet, uh, very kind of humble person that was going to become princess. And I don't know a lot of detail, to be honest. Like, I don't know all of the stuff that went into how they met and how um, ultimately, you know, one's, uh, one would imagine that she would have been kind of chosen in a certain way or um, vetted or approved by the queen and all the different stuff that goes into like the, you know, the nobility. And, you know, she came from nobility anyway, but, and then, you know, you flash forward a decade later and they're both kind of, um, cheating on each other and he, him especially and she's um, feeling like on the outs with the family and she's kind of 
trying to raise these two boys, one of whom is going to be the next king of England or a future king of England. And the other one's going to be, you know, the second, second two. So always kind of in this um, backseat role. And I don't know, it just, it, when they broke up it was, I, I bet the country was in some state of shock. Although, you know, the tabloids in uh, England are awful. I'm sure they dragged her through the mud for, you know, the entire decade, just looking for any sort of crack and fault. But I remember that being like, kind of like, oh, that can, that can happen. Huh. Yeah. And I don't think that like the, really the, I don't think they thought that it could happen. Obviously, you know, there was a king that was chopping off heads a few hundred years before yeah. over and over. So like it could happen, mm-hmm. but, um, I think it came as quite a shock to everybody because of kind of like Richard said, that fairy tale aspect to it all that was kind of like, Oh, well, you know, these are actual, just, these aren't people in a storybook. These are real humans that have real feelings. And sometimes you just, it doesn't work. Do we think Queen Elizabeth's longevity has instilled for (laughs) a, a, a generation of people? Like she's, she's been a perfect, queen for forever like she's been this i don't know how long she's been in that has she been in that from 1952 yeah for so golly almost 70 years she's yeah. been queen. and so there's this been this kind of perfection of this woman uh who has isolated us from all the uh memory of beheadings and <laughs> all that stuff and then and then before that was World War II and and, and the and World War One and the war era in which it seemed like that kept the all the scandal and stuff kind of maybe in the background. So it, it seems like it kind of insulated us from the lurid um, uh, royalty <laughs> kind of behavior. So so that when Lady Di comes around, she does seem like this doll. Like uh, it all seemed like like a a collectible doll set. <laughs> I think there's also with with the queen i expect that there is probably this at some point there was like a weird push to get prince charles married to generate the heir yeah you know there's yeah. that as much as anything that is like part of the nobility is like you've you have to create this next in line aspect to it and i'm sure it's carried on to um prince william and his wife and their children and all this stuff, all the people that are next in line and next in line. Um, But there must be just this tremendous weirdness in that family to be like, you know, to be Charles and be like, I'm going to be the next King of England. Oh, it's been another 30 years. You don't want your parents to die, but then you're expecting to take over the throne and you're married to someone who's going to be the, you know, next Queen of England or, queen regent or whatever it's whatever the title is to the person that's married to the king i think it's the queen but it's whatever it is i don't know i don't know how the uh, the hierarchy of english nobility Mm -hmm. sets up but like there's so much that is going into it that's not just like romance and fairy taleness it's not all um you know sleeping beauty and you find the prince and in the forest it's there's like like a business aspect to it yeah yeah and I think that is definitely overshadowed by, um, you know, the image that's put out there. Uh, also, it's 
they are the regents over uh geography the size of the state of louisiana i think it's not like <laughs> it's it's this this crucible that everything is focused under it's so so much more focused um, Mike, uh, jeff the sun never sleeps okay no oh, they no, have no, the empire okay yeah they still have uh <laughs> the british virgin islands oh sorry they still have they're on canadian money so I guess they're on canadian money i think they're on they're on australian money so hey they're good okay i think i think there's a uh, sorry I'll, I'll i'll cap this with um charles who's now 72 i just looked it up and that's gonna be like a weird thing is like one day when he becomes king and he's like 77 because the queen's hanging in there for another She's rocking it for a number of yeah, years. She long live the queen. She's, yeah. she's long live the queen. She's doing okay. But like when like the 77 year old king is crowned, it'll be like, oh my God, look at this parade. What is yeah. this? It's not a young, a young person taking the throne. They're not in the prime of their life. They're just like, we got to do this one before we do the next one. Yeah. It's going to be a weird <laughs> placeholder yeah. feel to it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, halftime, ladies and gentlemen, you have the opportunity to get in the dialogue in regards to what our future topics are. You could go to Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and search for Mount Rushmore Podcast, and you're going to find a thriving community uh, full of intellectual discourse uh, in which uh, legions of literati are vying to uh, nominate and then debate and then elect the next topic that we will discuss here on the program. So uh, add your voice to the throng of people who are uh, thriving to get their voices heard. Out I'm sorry, there. Did, did you hear me laughing? I'm sorry. Uh, that was a, My bad. A, a snicker. Well, I think your water heaters blew up again. I heard like a oh, gas leak God, or something. Let's not start with that. Um. Oh my God, I, our tankless water heater was messed up and I called like a general plumber, not a tankless water heater specialist. So this guy comes out and he's like a like a two-year-old fidgeting with one of those busy boxes, <laughs> just spinning any knob he can find. And what's oh. this do? What's this do? Yeah, this seems broken. Yeah, no fucking shit. That's why I called you out here. Not to, not to bore our listeners with it, but our water tank went bye-bye and I think we have to split up. We have to break up with our plumber yeah. because they did not do a good job. Oh no. Oh no. Um, okay, well, uh, you could do that. You can join the thriving throng of thousands who are out there uh, giving us suggestions that we very frequently take and put on our show. And then you can also uh, do us a solid and go back, download, rate, and review past episodes. Uh, reviews. That's something I don't think we've had in a long time. I would love to read a review. Uh, you would. You would. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> love to see what what folks think yeah uh whether it's going to be stuff like you know who was elvis castillo was talking about the beatles albums saying when you first played the new they were they were reinventing themselves so quickly you'd put a new their new album on and it just wouldn't sound like the beatles or they'd say well they're going to do this and it just sounded unfamiliar and then by the next time you played it it was the best thing you'd ever heard in your life like i mentioned sergeant pepper just sounded like what the fuck Who's Sergeant Pepper? Yeah, that must have been a total mindfuck yeah. whenever that came out. Yeah, and then you even realize, oh, they're telling a story with an album. It's not just a bunch of singles. Um, so you know that's what we're doing with uh, this podcast, folks. Down, you got to listen to all the back episodes, and you realize 
We're playing the slow game. We're playing the long con on you. It's all going to add up and pay off. You might not see it quite yet. It might seem like a random assortment of disparate topics that are just chosen at the last minute. I'm not going to spoil too much, but if you guys go and listen to episode 117 backwards. Yep. Major there's, clues. There's some clues there. Yeah. All I'm going to say. Yep. So get out your, um, you know, your red string and your thumbtacks and stuff like that and try to try to solve it because it all ties together. Uh, that was episode Kickstarter fiascos for those in the and no- wanting to know. <laughs> and if you unscramble Kickstarter fiasco, it spells, it says I buried Paul. That's it. So it's all. Yep. That's it. <sighs> Whoa, oh, shit. Man. He just solved it. <laughs> Oh Damn it! Oh, oh my I mean, God. I mean, I mean, or does it? Or does Listen it? To the episode to figure it out. We're not saying that Paul Hollywood from the Great British Bake no. Off is dead, and there's a <laughs> there's a, a fake version of him, but we're not not saying that either. Do you know Paul Stanley named him, named chose the name the stage name Paul Stanley because his name is like Moisha Lipschitz or something like that? He, he because he loved Paul McCartney. Like, I thought you were gonna say Stanley because he was a big Marvel fan. Mar- Mar- they, yeah. could, they could be it. Uh, um, because he was a big uh, Mr. Furley. <laughs> Stanley, when are you gonna make love to me? Oh, that Jack, he's living with two ladies. What a lucky guy. Oh, God. Don Knotts impersonations play really well. Oh, wait, no, wait, that was a different guy. Okay. You're thinking Norman Fell. Norman Fell, yeah, sorry. The other white meat. Please. All right. So Michael Winfield. No, wait. No, no, my okay, turn. Uh, Man Friday is going to tell us the third. All right. So, hey, lady. Oh, Dean, Dean, why won't you work hard with me anymore? Hey. Uh, the perhaps the the first television, not the first television stars, but the first team of of television stars, Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis with the Colgate Comedy Hour starting in 1950 um, and were well known as this great comedy team, whether it's on TV or all the movies that they made, whatever they happened to do, it seemed to be successful. So it was in some ways quite a shock whenever they decided to go their separate ways. Um, and there's a lot of reasons. And there are, I, what one of the things that fascinates me about the Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis breakup is that there's no like, there doesn't seem to be one specific thing that was like, oh, they broke up because X, Y, or Z. You know, it's kind of in the same way that there were with the Beatles. There were multiple things happening and you can't just point to one thing and say, oh, that's what broke up the Beatles. Um, there are a lot of things that broke up Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. You know, Jerry Lewis wanted to go and do, he wanted to be Charlie Chaplin, basically. Huh. Um, and he wanted to start doing the kind of, comedy mixed with pathos mixed with drama that charlie chaplin was doing and that didn't really fit with what dean martin wanted to do uh jerry lewis was this workaholic who would work you know 16 18 hour days dean martin loved hit playing golf and hitting the golf course and maybe working a couple of hours a week here and there doing his shows at night and then having his days to himself i guess their wives also didn't get along which is kind of a oh seems like a very minor reason to break up yeah. but, I, but to be honest with you if if my wife hated your your guys's guts and your or, or your wife's guts i think we'd have a hard time doing a show together 
Yeah. So there are just all these little things that were going on. Um, And I think it's interesting because arguably they both did just fine apart from the group. It wasn't like one of those things where they split up. Jerry Lewis went on to have this amazing career and Dean Martin kind of trailed off into obscurity. I mean, Dean Martin becomes Rat Pack. Dean Martin has number one singles as a singer, you know, does TV and movies and all that. We all know about Jerry Lewis's comedy career. So it's one of those rare breakups where I think it was wound up eventually being beneficial probably to both artists. Um, It just kind of felt very acrimonious at the time. And it took really Dean Martin's kid dying in a plane crash and Jerry Lewis coming to the funeral for them to patch up their any wounds that they sort of were opened up by the, by the breakup. I love this choice. I've, re- I've read a few of their book. I've read the, the Jerry book. Um, and I, I love, you know, reading about like Dean in relationship to the rest of the rat pack. Whereas all these guys are kind of um, subservient to Sinatra, mm-hmm. even amongst the rat pack. He was like, I'm never going to, yeah, I'm not going to kiss Sinatra's ass. <laughs> Second rate mook from Hoboken, <laughs> you know? Yeah, uh, no, he, 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 he had a love it or leave it kind of relationship with fame in some ways. I yeah. mean, he was comfortable enough with what he could do that if he wanted to be part of the rack pack, then that was fun. That was great, but he didn't, yeah. he didn't have a need to be part of a, a group anymore. Yeah. I was watching one of the, was it the Our Man Flint? I forget which his uh, spy series was um no our man matt helm matt helm yeah yeah james coburn or something yeah matt helm uh and uh dean martin is just being so dean martin just kind of taking life as it comes he's he's it's the beginning of the movie and we see him we first see him we hear snoring and he's you know drunk in bed after a in a circular bed after one of life's uh incredibly uh fulfilling sexcapades and uh, Na- NASA or no, some organization calls him and they say that he needs to come, you know, be a spy again or something like that. He hangs up on him and then his bed, he presses a button and his bed, this huge bed ro- uh, lifts up 90 degrees, uh, dropping him into a swimming pool full of uh, a bubble bath. And there's a woman who just starts rubbing his back, you know, in the bubble bath. <laughs> so here's this guy. This is how he goes through life, right? Just kind of falling from one kind of opportunity into another without really wanting too much. So right. that's what seems like how he saw the relationship between him and Jerry. Anyhow, right. Right. Versus Jerry Lewis, who, like I said, was this incredibly driven, super egotistical yeah. um, guy who, who thought that he was going to be the next like I said, Charlie Chaplin. Yeah. And that's, that's a hard thing to reconcile. Uh-huh. If you guys get a chance, uh, Sinatra tried to get Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin together mid seventies. I want to say mid to late seventies at the Jerry Lewis telethon. Mm-hmm. He surprised him by having Dean Martin walk out on stage. And it was yeah. the first time they'd been together in like 17 years or something. And it's awkward. And Jerry is pissed off about it, but he can't, <laughs> He can't like blow up about it because he's in the middle of the freaking Jerry yeah. Lewis telethon. It's on YouTube. If you want to see uncomfortable, that's a good place to see two oil slicks 
uh, standing in between <laughs> some exactly. olive oil. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, oh, that's a that's a boy. That's a fun choice. And I think Hope and Crosby were still for years plugging out um, movies in between their their individual endeavors too. So if you might look and say, well, these guys can do it. And I think Abbott and Costello only only death broke them up. So if you can, if you think, well, these other two teams can stay together. Why can't, why can't Martin and Lewis? Yeah. Yeah. All righty, Winfield. What do you got? Uh, I'm going to cross the Atlantic and talk oh. about um, the Lady Di of the Americas, which is, of course, Diane Chambers of Sam and Diane. <laughs> All right. Nice. From Cheers, which they're the ultimate... Um, you know, opposites attract, um, oil and water sort of couple that um, work together even though they shouldn't. And when they ultimately break up, um, it was like one of those things that was almost like what Richard said with um, Martin and Lewis is like, it was almost, it was probably better for them. Like they weren't really doing anything together other than, you know, fighting and fucking. It was like they were in a relationship that like, was only working because of like the passion. It wasn't working because of any, you know, compatibility of like just spending time together. And um, ultimately when um, she left the show, oh God, her name's, uh, 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 what's her name? Shelley Long, Shelley Long. Thank you. When Shelley Long ultimately left the show, I think it was because she um, in part realized that she was, her character, had kind of become a little one note. It hadn't really grown to any particular point. And within the show itself, the, it, the show became about their relationship when it was about, it should have been about the bar in itself. So her leaving ultimately was probably a boon for the show kind of going on a, a number of years. Um, and I'm sure she per went off to pursue her own you know, once you get to that point when you're like the star of the sitcom, um, it's kind of like that SNL thing too, where like someone has been starring on SNL for so long and they see like the future of what they could be doing when it's not part of SNL and it's movies or it's a TV series. And, you know, I would probably say like seven times out of 10, it fails. And I think same thing with Shelley Long. She kind of had some success in the movies, but there wasn't really anything there for her as uh, an actress but for the show itself for like for cheers it kind of kept going on and started being more about the bar again and the relationships within the bar and sam's relationship to the new bar owners and um i don't know i thought that that was just like one of those like oh well they that that was like the premier tv relationship that people were kind of probably passionate about one way or another they wanted them to get together or they wanted them apart and all that oh, that's a really interesting pick i do yeah. think she was kind of like she became margaret dumont and the rest of them were the marx brothers <laughs> she could just kind of yeah. uh look over her lorgnette and say oh how dare you and uh <laughs> but uh yeah I, and i did i do think even at that time i don't know what would have been our um our model for it but tv audiences probably knew if they if these two come together it's going to mean the, the end of the show so 
Yeah, it does seem, I, I do remember, I think the first thing I remember her in from a feature standpoint is Night Shift after, afterwards, and she was playing. Well, that was before. Was it before? Yeah. Okay. She went on to do like, she went True on to Beverly like, Hills. True Beverly Hills. Uh, yeah, that's the one I remember. Okay. Yeah, Night Shift was 82. So it would have been right before she started on Cheers. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah, I got that. My timeline's all messed up with that. That's a fun pick. Uh, the I think of only um, Moonlighting, uh, the mm. Willis. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, of the that, will they or won't they sort of. Yeah. And when they do, it kind of screws everything up. Yeah. Yeah. To, to even compare to, to that. So that's that's a lot of fun. But I think Ted Lasso has something going on in that pocket. I'm not sure if there's anything going on between him and these other characters in it. I got to watch that show. I don't have Apple TV, so I, I can't watch it. And we're in the middle of trying to watch Shit's Creek. So oh, we're a little tied up well. right now. But I, I, I definitely want to watch Ted Lasso. At I, boy, I'll stop. And, and this is one of those shows where you you you... You stop and go, I know why this is so great because it's like Bull Durham or it's, you know, it, it feels mm-hmm. like this other show. So, uh, but it's just great in its own right. Okay. Okay. Uh, quick. I guess this is the last, uh, last time. choice. Yeah. Last, last raw breakup. Here. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, we had, we had a good run, I guess. What do you got? Yeah. Well, was it good? It's Okay. I thought it was great. You know, there were good times or bad times. All right. So my last choice is Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz. Oh, wow. That Uh, was the other couple that I was was thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of thought that that's where you were leaning. Um, And they never really worked together after they split. Um, They split in 1960. That's when they officially got divorced. Although... Lucille Ball, uh, when they first got married, and they first got married in 1940, um, and she wanted to divorce him by 1944 because he was a womanizing, tomcatting alcoholic, hmm. um, or in theory, or at least in, allegedly. I think the infidelities is pretty well known. He would argue a little bit about whether or not how much he drank, um, but. No matter what, there were there were problems in the marriage by 1944. They had met on the set of a uh, RKO movie called Too Many Girls, and he was this, you know, handsome young band leader, and she was this studio contract. You know, at, at one point she is sort of they couldn't figure out whether she was a comedian or a femme fatale or what to do with her. And they met, and they kind of had all this crazy chemistry. But people around him were like, yeah, they've got this great chemistry. How long is this marriage going to last? Because we all know as soon as Desi gets back on the road with his band, he's going to be off off to his tomcatting ways. And part of the reason that I Love Lucy actually came together um, was because they wanted a project they could work on together with the thought being that if he was home and working with her, he wouldn't be on the road that would take care of a lot of a lot of the marriage problems and it did for a long time it did sort of patch up some of the problems but after the show went off the air and he went back to being a band leader the whole thing kind of restarted all over again and eventually got to be just too much for her and i just am fascinated with this idea 
excuse me, I'm just fascinated with this idea that the the relationship that we think of is perhaps the most iconic relationship on all of television didn't have a happy ending no mm. matter what we saw on screen and it's just to me that's even though, even though they wound up uh running desi lu studios together i mean desi lu they were probably the maybe the first portmanteau uh relationship you know oh. before there was a benifer or <laughs> yeah. a, you know brad brangelino or anything mm-hmm. there was there was desi lu and they ran this company together even after they got a divorce. Um, they remained really good friends. So it's not like it's this sad, sad story. They both went on to remarry other people and stay married for a long time. Um, but it's just this idea that, I don't know. I, I I remember being a kid and watching the show. And I just assumed as a kid, oh, they must have stayed married and then just been married their whole lives. And it's just sort of that thing when you find out, no, they actually got divorced like, eight years after the show went off the air or however long it was, you kind of go, ah, huh. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know if it's an observation of a person who's mellowed with age and changed his sentiment, but I've heard of people who said Ricky, uh, sorry, Desi, (laughs) Ricky's Desi, his off-screen persona, his real life did screw around but was always in love with her. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I think that there was always an affection there, even if he had trouble keeping his uh, Cuban ham in his pants. Yeah. 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 Uh, And amazing things. Like I can't, you know, I think of that maybe to bring it back, even though we're not done yet, we still got Michael's is full circle is the Beatles uh, relationship of Lennon McCartney did a lot of stuff out of agreement but a lot of stuff out of conflict and uh who knows what it was all lucy's brilliance in terms of inventing syndication and inventing three camera shoots and shooting on film because it looked better you could uh rerun it and have it be better and then producing what she produced star trek i don't know if we might we might not even had i think batman was filmed on the desi lu lot or something like that so yeah there was a lot of stuff that uh, they together innovated, even though maybe they weren't um, the best of romantic partners. Oh, sure. The whole idea of taping the show. So you would be able to rerun it at yeah. some other point. I mean, that's that was yeah. their idea. Yeah. 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 Let's get these film cameras out here and um, and shoot it in a way that's really quality versus some kind of piece of junk because we want to we want to show it show it again. And I, I've heard that set of previous um productions is that the live to tape kind of vibe of a lot of these things they were so filled with errors and 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 production imperfections that you wouldn't want to see it again because it just was you saw amateur hour yeah i want to see the uh the door fly off in eddie albert's hand after he walks in on the dupont network show like no i don't (laughs) i don't we don't want to see that I kind of want to see that actually. Yeah, kind of. That sounds. That sounds, that sounds good. pretty good. Yeah. All right. Uh, do you know that? Do you remember the <laughs> Christopher I Walken? The, I love the high pitched, uh, like right. last <laughs> final <laughs> thought from <laughs> Jeff. Wonder. He's got one. Wonder why. Christopher Walken had a recurring when he was a guest uh, series called The Continental 
on SNL. Yeah. <laughs> and it was the most bizarre thing, you know, a, a cameraman with a gloved hand. <laughs> you, you, you know, it's a first person perspective of Christopher Walken as this kind of lecherous uh, uh, Lothario. And we are the woman who he is ensnaring and wooing. And it was a real show that was really, it was started out on radio as developed for lonely housewives who were the people listening at a certain time where it was just a guy saying, hello, you're beautiful. <laughs> I'm so glad you're here. And so Walken remembered it from his childhood and said, may we do a sketch about it? Like, oh my God, yeah, okay. Uh, it was based on, on a real show. I, that just blows my mind because it seems like the weirdest thing you could possibly even imagine. Winfield, uh, look, I'm going through some stuff with Richard. It's not really a good time. I, I mean, this is a good time for us, but I feel like very vulnerable. And I feel like maybe you could talk some sense into him. He just told me that he was giving us his last choice. Listen, just, I'm going to put this all in perspective for you. Okay. Listen, things may come and go. Things may break up. Okay. It's always getting back together. Okay. And that's why on my last choice, I'm going to talk about the super continents. Talk about <laughs> things. Talk about things breaking up and getting back together. Oh, We're we talking got... about Valbara leading to Ur, leading to Kennerland, to Arctica, to Atlantica, Colombia, Rudinia, Penosha, Gondwana. Those are, those, are, those are some great... Lord of the those Rings are, characters. <laughs> oh, one of my favorite characters. Those were they the are also SDDs, dwarves. I thought. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, I love looking at a map of like the continents of the Earth constantly breaking up and smashing into each other over like millions and millions of years. And it just really puts it into perspective of like, we're all just on a trajectory of just these bits of land pushing along, smashing into each other. It takes a hundred million years, but we'll get back together. Things yeah. push us apart, whether it's volcanoes and earthquakes and tectonic plates and, you know, uh, erosion and all these things, super mountains being create, you know, the, uh, you know, the largest mountain in the world whose name escapes me, even though it should be on the tip of my tongue. Um, Everest? Mount, Ever Mount Everest, thank you is there because of like all these continents smashing into each other. And it's like, how long will that thing be the largest mountain in the world? Eh, not that long, a few million years probably. And then it's gonna just crumble again and fall apart. And the earth is gonna shift again and break up and get pushed back. And just makes you feel like, kind of like we were talking about last week with like mother, mother nature and earth, it's just doing its own thing and it's just, breaking up with itself and getting back together and so you know what just all these little relationships sam and diane and you know martin and lewis yeah they all reconcile somehow in some way mostly by getting crushed under the weight of like you know the volcano or the bones <laughs> of dinosaurs or whatever it is ah <laughs> uh, this is a dumb one to end on but wow. like i I just, I just like this stuff. I, there's this one website that we'll have to find uh, to send you guys and maybe post to the world at large that lets you um, put in like whatever date 
like whatever, you know, how many millions of years we can kind of scrub through and watch the earth just smashing into itself and breaking apart again. You can look forward millions of years to see where we are a hundred million years from now. And just that they've studied this, just that they know, you know, exactly is a hard word to throw around, but they know where these, these plates have gone and plates are moving and will go and just like, hmm. we're not going to be here, but we know what's going to happen, which is a weird, it's a weird thing to think of in terms of like science. It's like, yeah, no one's going to be around to witness this, but this is what it'll look like that 82 million years from now. And you'll be like, oh, that's weird. We're right, ne- we're right next to Russia again. Huh. <laughs> Okie dokie. Wow. I wonder what Zillow, does it say what my house is going to be worth on Zillow? Like when I'm at the bot. Yeah. When you're now part of like a Thailand. Yeah. Let me check. Um, Nothing. Well, good news. You've got a great view. Oh, sweet. Bad news. Uh, on the edge of a volcano about to fall in. Oh, shit. Okay. So, so make sure so you sell. make sure you lay yes. So get insurance. <laughs> get volcano insurance. Volcano. Get, that, yes. get that homeowner insurance. <laughs> fix, fix the water heater. And uh, yeah. Wow. Okay. The fiber, fiberglass uh, heat insulation. Wow. All right. So please don't uh, please don't pick that one as your as one of your choices. The valley is already hot to begin with. I think <laughs> we're in the middle of Africa in the savanna. Uh, the San Fernando Valley gets dropped right in the middle of um, the desert. The Gobi Desert is that a desert? Yeah, that's okay. a desert. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's one. Uh, so I'm going with supercontinents. Oh no! Just because you <laughs> listed off so many names and none of them were Pangaea, which I thought was the only. The only thing I even knew to say. I got there at the end. What was the gonorrhea? The last one was like gon- gondola. Gondwana. gondwana. God, these guys just get to. I'm jealous of the namers. They can just. They come up yeah. with these things. They get to name them. Let me see. It it. Uh, yeah, Wakanda and. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Wakanda. Yeah. Start start naming shit. Uh, okay, so let's Kirkoa, go. Let's Tatooine. go with. We got to go with the Beatles. Um, and I got a special thing in my heart for Dean and Jerry. Um, and, um, I think because it kind of opened my, uh, eyes to a time that I need to kind of reexamine historically, I want to do Prince Charles and Lady Di, because I think we're at, we're at another bookend of that right now. And it'd be interesting to see, uh, that. Go back and look at that. Um, and I wonder if would it have been good if Elton John would have written a song for their wedding, <laughs> written a song in the middle at some point, like things are going great. I think they're never gonna break up. And then when they got divorced, it's like seems to me your marriage <laughs> is doing just fine. Yeah. <laughs> I saw her hooking up with a chauffeur Doty Fired. Okay. All right. Did we get four? I think we got four. Yeah, that's four. Yeah. yeah. Boy, you thought the supercontinents was a bad way to end that song that Richard and I just do yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, we just that's a that's, that that that'll lead to a yeah. breakup somehow. I don't Isn't know it how, weird but... that our plumbing is just collapsing uh, and we're <laughs> singing these horrible songs? I think we're vocally destroying it. This has been the uh, Mount Rushmore of breakups. Uh, I, as always, am Jeff. I'm Richard. And Michael. Yay! Good job. That was a fun episode. That was fun.